0: You're listening to the Conspiracy Theorist Survival Guide Podcast. Hey, if your journey down the proverbial rabbit hole has cost you friends and family, maybe it's just convinced your loved ones that you're a little bit crazy, this podcast is for you. Nothing's off limits. We're going to cover it all from a biblical worldview. There's going to be humor, insight, and validation for your journey. So join us as we learn to walk through this crazy world as a Christian truther, as we shed every ounce of willful ignorance so we can fulfill our destiny and leave a legacy. hey hey this is john i'm super glad to be with you today i'm going to be your host for the conspiracy theorist survival guide podcast the title of my talk today is the sins of conspiracy theorists i'll tell you if god can use me he can use anybody i mean didn't he use the whale to save jonah jesus called forth a fish to get a gold coin and he used the rooster to rebuke peter And a donkey to rebuke the prophet Balaam. That donkey saved Balaam's life too. Right? So if God can use the brute beast, he can certainly use you and I, dear soul. Isn't that good news? I'm glad to be back with you. And, you know, if you're a truther, I'm sorry about your problems. Now, if you don't have any problems as a truther, it must mean you're not a truther or maybe you haven't been one for very long, or perhaps you haven't actually opened your mouth yet to anybody about what you've discovered. And then there's the rare cases of those one percenters who somehow are given grace to be surrounded by other truthers. Your spouse, your children, your family, your friends, your church family, (laughs) you know. If they all believe that NASA and the media are lying to all of humanity, that there's all of these bizarre things that are hidden from all of humanity, like the earth being flat or underground bases and a breakaway civilization, reptilians, chemtrails. You know, at the core of this is that the world is run by Luciferian, maniacs, they're absolute wicked, evil, Mind bogglingly evil. Torture kids, drink their blood, it's just off the charts. You can't even believe what they're doing. These people are extremely spiritual, way more spiritual than most Christians. They're way more devout. And they're playing most Christians like a fiddle. This goes especially for pastors, with all due respect. I mean, personally, I was in full time ministry in, in different capacities including as a youth pastor and a worship leader in Dave Wilkerson's Times Square Church for the better part of 11 years. I was there when it opened. And then I I was in lay ministry for another 20 years, subsequent to that, in and around churches. So I've been on the platform or in the church, in and around Christians for the better part of 40 years. So I could tell you with some certainty that pastors are a walled city when it comes to these types of topics. There are many reasons that I have gone into into other videos on my YouTube channel, Wake Up or Else, but I won't go into them here, but I'll tell you that they don't want these things to be true, primarily because it's going to disrupt their ability to control what they have oversight over, and it will also certainly bring a hellstorm down on them that is, in most cases, something that will end their ministry, certainly as they know it. So they're going to fight you tooth and nail if you try to approach them about these things. And they're going to use the same tactics that any normie is going to use. They're going to provide you with personal attacks, insults, shaming. And it's just as wicked as it could be. Because of this willful ignorance that they seem to universally display, many believers have died essentially at the hands of their unenlightened pastors. Because the pastor was such a normie, he believed the medical emergency that was rolled out. It's really a eugenics program that was operationalized. Pastor, you lined up like lemmings to put your masks on and put the little pieces of tape between each of the pews for distancing. You signed up for the whole package and the whole lockdown. You shut the church down. And then when they rolled out the VAX, you lined up all your people and encouraged them from the pulpit to be a good citizen. Of course, you sort of noticed that Walmart and the bars were allowed to stay open, but the churches couldn't. But you didn't didn't see the tyranny as it should have been seen. Black Lives Matters. We're allowed to violently protest in the public with no restrictions, but churches were mandated to be closed and you you fell right in line with that. No, if the pastors had integrity, they would have said what the disciples said when they were told by their power structure of their day not to speak in the name of Jesus anymore because that's essentially what they did to you. Acts 4.18 Whether it's right in God's eyes to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. As for us... There's no question we can't keep quiet about what we have seen and heard. How about that one? That's right in your Bible. Kind of rubs up against Romans 13 just a smidgen. So part of this truther journey, or being willing to be labeled a buffoon, pastor, is becoming a mature believer. And stop making the pathetic excuse that you just want to focus on souls while all of us are being marched towards the camps we're mature in this sense that we're not intimidated by mind control victims like yourselves or other christians surrounding us that see us as a threat to their happy life these bewitched bible believers are willing to violate matthew 5 with a reckless abandon and call us fools to our faces by invoking the term conspiracy theorist, kook, fringe, ridiculous, crazy. How dare you? According to Jesus, you're in danger of going to hell because of it. You go ahead and read Matthew 5. Look up the concordance. The sentiment behind calling someone a fool is exactly the same as calling somebody a conspiracy theorist. You need to repent. But you, dear soul, the truther is undaunted. You refuse to be intimidated and manipulated and bullied into silence. Instead, no, instead, you are becoming a juggernaut of influence. Praise God. You're a wrecking ball for evil. You're not playing church. Most of us have had to leave the church to find Jesus. And stop lecturing us, are you in a local church? Are you under authority? You're disqualifying yourself from being an authority, fumbling over your scriptures Sunday after Sunday, so blind you can't recognize your Bibles being supernaturally changed to fulfill end times prophecy. Go look at Daniel 7.25, Amos 8.11, 2 Thessalonians two. Revelation 13, Revelation 22, just to name a few. No, truthers are the mature Christian in this hour. And isn't that what we're called to be? The Bible says about Jesus, for this purpose, the Son of Man was manifested that he would destroy the works of the enemy. And in another passage, it is written that as he was in the world, so are we. So, let's get on with it. What do you say we decide to live like there's no tomorrow? How about that? Well, let's just decide to put our destiny above all of our own personal comfort and human need. What do you say? Paul, the apostle, gave us insight into this mindset in Philippians 2, 17. He said, Yes, And if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. Well, that's me. For whatever it's worth, my smoldering ash heap of a life is a spectacle for all to see. But you cannot smell the fragrance of a rose like you can until it has been stepped on under someone's heel. That always releases the fragrance in its fullest. And isn't that what Jesus said in John 12, 24? Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Ha! So are you willing to be poured out, dear soul, as a drink offering? You're on your way to work right now, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would fall upon you even now as I speak, and you would begin to weep before him. The Spirit of the living God is coming upon you, and he's beginning to speak into your very soul of your being about your destiny and about eternity. I pray that you would begin to have profound thoughts of eternity that would sweep over your soul throughout the day and would completely transform your paradigm. In Jesus' name. Paul said, Are you willing to be poured out as a drink offering? And I've heard a lot of Christians say, well, God doesn't call us to be a doormat. But Paul said, I know how to be a Well, being a is being a doormat. It's the willingness to be so hopelessly insignificant that you're never thought of again in connection with the life that you've lived. To being unfamous, unfriended. Are you willing to spend and be spent, not seeking to be ministered to, but to minister? You're not looking for love, you're looking to be love. Oswald Chambers in his daily devotional says, Some saints cannot do menial work and remain saints because it's beneath their dignity. And then, of course, 2 Timothy 4.6 repeats this mindset by telling us, I am ready to be poured out as a drink offering. So there you have it. In a nutshell, dear soul, it's time for many of us to give God permission to expel us as a projectile into the chest of the enemies of God. A prophetic arrow in God's quiver to be loosed in his timing upon the target of his choice. Now, I'm not calling for violence. These are just metaphors to describe the mindset of the believer that chooses to yield the reins of his life to Christ. Finally! Finally, you surrender your future plans and your daily activities to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to have a Lord. It means you don't run your life anymore. (laughs) What a concept. Your self-directed life is an abomination to God, ma'am, sir. It's better that it's me telling you now than it be him when it's too late. I can assure you of that. It is time that we all come before him and surrender. Unilateral, white flag. Jesus, I give you my pathetic, whatever's left of my life. I will walk where you walk. I will go where you go. I will say what you say. And this, and only this, will bring the lights on and have his voice begin to ring in your ears and give you the supernatural direction and the provision that you need in order to walk through the storm that is now upon us. So that's us here at the Conspiracy Theorist Survival Guide podcast. We cover different topics from day to day that would typically be considered conspiracy theories, but we really focus on the journey of the truther. Not so much the conspiracies, but the ramifications of believing the conspiracies. And of course, the ramifications of those around you that don't believe the conspiracies. This is what causes the most pain and suffering. So if you're with us, you're feeling isolated and lonely and misunderstood and rejected, this is not a pity party. This is raw persecution. This is what it's like to walk with the king. Do we bring some of this on ourselves? Certainly. But for the most part, My research has found, and my experience has found, that it's the normie and the unconvinced that bring the hellstorm. They have these vitriolic, what I call death-to-truther algorithms that they run, and it's no joke being on the uh, receiving end of that. Hey friends, I just wanted to break into this message here for one second, and just share with you that being a content creator is a very challenging undertaking. Typically folks either work full-time and do this on the side, so they're burning the candle at both ends, or you jump in with both feet like we have, and you trust listeners to help support you if they can. That's us, we're on a mission. So please consider partnering with us by using the donate button below. Every small amount is appreciated, even five bucks. You can also visit our store, which is Bargantopia. It's B-A-R-G-I-N, topia.com. And we got a variety of lab tested, super clean supplements with free shipping. We're going to be adding custom apparel for conspiracy theorist kooks and then other extremely unique and useful things. So check us out over there. Be sure to join us for our live streams over at Wake Up or Else on YouTube. And you can find us at wakeuporelse.com. Thanks for keeping us going. Back to our message. Having said that, it's now time for the Sons of Issachar update, where we cover national and international news from a biblical perspective. And actually, if I was honest, I would say that we're covering it from my perspective, which is a biblical perspective. So you'd have to then conclude that my analysis of geopolitical events is completely biased, And depending on how you view that, you might even categorize me as a shill. I'm a shill for God. I'm shilling for the kingdom. However, since I'm admitting what my agenda is, I guess I have sort of removed myself from the shill category because typically that means someone that's a shill has a hidden agenda. And also, I think the connotation for a shill is that their hidden agenda is sort of self-serving, it's it's damaging, you know, it's not a good thing. Somebody that's a shill is a criminal. But everybody has an agenda if you think about it. So in my case, I'm telling you what my agenda is, and it's not hidden, and I don't think you can really categorize a biblical war view as being nefarious or harmful. I mean, come on, even if you're listening to me and you're a God hater, you're a Christ hater, you're ticked off at God. Let me just remind you that Jesus loves you. Don't hate him for that. So, of course, you would also then have to factor in that I am completely undocumented. I have no credentials whatsoever. And I am admittedly quite dysfunctional, suffering from severe complex childhood trauma, which should lead you to conclude that you shouldn't rely on anything that I say. But see, that is, of course, my goal in everything that I do, which is to try to help people think for themselves. And also try to think in another two or three levels up from where you've been thinking. Like, when I was young, we had this chessboard, and it had three chessboards attached together. So it was actually three-dimensional chess. It was really cool. So now a piece like a bishop, let's say, can not only move diagonally in two directions, it could also move diagonally up two or three levels, making an incredibly complex game virtually impossibly complex. Well, that's us. (laughs) When we're trying to analyze what's going on in this cold, cruel world, I think you'd agree. It is virtually impossible to know what's going on. Now, you can follow the money trail, you can notice the Freemason handshake, You can notice their occult activity or their relationship to this group or that group. Or you can notice what they aren't saying, whatever their involvements are, their track record. But when it's all said and done, there are always reasons why everything that you're seeing could have a different reason for being there. And so in the end, I believe it will serve all of us to stay humble and know that all you have many times is an educated guess. Because the person you suspect being a shill could have flipped sides the day before, or they could be a double agent. And how would you know that? Or the things you're seeing could be there to lead you astray. Or maybe God has intervened with this person in a supernatural way recently, and God didn't inform you. God didn't bother to let you in on his plan. So I always encourage truthers to stay humble in this hour when trying to evaluate things and ask God to show you what's really happening because that's the only way that you're going to really know. If you've named the name of the Lord and you walk with him, he will not lead you astray. Having said that, one article I read indicated that credit card delinquencies have surged in 2023, indicating financial stress. You think? I love that conclusion. Then in other news, an appeals court denies Trump's claim, saying he's immune from prosecution in the federal election interference case. Now, most truthers look at the spectacle, which is called Trump, and wonder what percentage of anything having to do with this guy is real. The prevailing narrative with many truthers is that all of the attacks on him are fake. It's all staged. They're not really trying to impeach him or put him in prison or diminish his influence. All of the attacks on him since before he was president, throughout his presidency, and after his presidency are all staged, and he's never been in any danger. So it's just part of the plan to deceive us, real people with a soul. And I find this narrative to be extremely irrational. It's possible, but I don't think it's probable. What makes more sense is that these attacks are real, but they're being waged by factions within the deep state. I mean, maybe the Lucys don't all get along. Did you ever consider that? Maybe they're all vying for the same turf. Many truthers hold that Trump is a shill working for the Black Hats to keep us docile and in line. So he's really a Black Hat bad guy posing as a patriot. My belief, however, is that he is actually a White Hat shill, but not the way that it's being portrayed through what I call the good news truthers. So the White Hats are characterized as patriots, as good guys, and people that want to restore the republic and freedom and prosperity. And I think it's more probable that Trump is a White Hat with the White Hat side of the Freemason guild, like Democrat-Republican, Black Hat-White Hat, they're all the same guild. So you have the Black Hat Freemasons and the White Hat Freemasons, both of which want to enslave and kill you. In that narrative, Trump is neither a white hat for good people or a shill for the black hats. But he is a shill for the white hat Freemasons who will then bring in the Noahide laws and chop your head off if you claim Jesus is Lord just like the black hats will. Okay? That makes tons more sense to me than the idea that everything that's being done is faked. That just doesn't seem as a rational evaluation of what we're being presented with. Okay, that's just food for thought. You know, we're all trying to grope through the dark here, so don't hate me for trying to think through these things, all right? But as I keep saying, I don't know that's the case. That's just my educated guess. So in other news, an article appearing on stateofthenation.co stated, according to the Constitution, the Biden regime is guilty of high treason in allowing the border to be overrun. I'm going to say, you think? (laughs) I mean, these article conclusions are so obvious. Of course, hundreds of millions of American citizens would agree with that assessment. So what we expect is for Republicans to call for a special counsel and launch an immediate investigation into Biden's actions. Yes, that'll do it. This is exactly what we need in this hour. We need a special counsel called to investigate this act of treason. And I think we'd all agree that this special counsel will definitely look into this. And after two years, when the investigation has been completed, they'll tell us that there was nothing here that rose to the level of criminality and everything else is redacted due to national security. But by that time, you'll have so much crime in your little suburban town. Everyone will be begging for martial law. And the United Nations will come in with the blue helmets to control the chaos and you'll have checkpoints and the Hegelian dialect will be in full swing. Yay. Meanwhile, in international news, Dr. Tedros of the World Health Organization came out against fake news, lies and conspiracy theories regarding the pandemic treaty. He was quoted as saying, we cannot allow this historic agreement, this milestone in global health to be sabotaged by those who spread lies either deliberately or unknowingly. He's quoted as saying, you know, this is fake news. Lies and conspiracy theories are completely false. And they don't give the World Health Organization the powers that they're claiming that we do. No, I think it does. I think Klaus Schwab just came out and ordered governments to demonetize citizens who believe in conspiracy theories. Whoo, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, things are heating up there, dear soul. It just reminds me of George Orwell's famous quote, in a time of deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. So I leave you with those thoughts and headlines. I hope that was helpful. And now we'll go ahead and transition to my talk today, which is entitled The Sins of Conspiracy Theorists. I hope this helps you on your journey. God bless. What happens to you when you start seeing things like this you're looking into it and you know basically i mean to everybody else you become a loon you're just a loon you're looney tunes to 70 plus percent of the population and certainly the power structure has its cannons pointed right at your little tin foil hat sitting on the top of your little head you know your little your little pretty head tammy you got a tinfoil hat on there Of course, the tinfoil hat equals shame and be quiet. And then there's the scarlet letter. If you remember, the Puritans, if they caught a woman in adultery, they would publicly flog her on this platform. And then she had to wear a scarlet letter, I think, forever. And if she was ever caught doing it again, they would publicly flog her again. So that is what you have done to you when you start to see these things and talk about them you're shamed, and you're, and you're threatened. If you keep talking about it, you'll get punished again, just like the Scarlet Letter. <laughs> okay, but, you know, this is now, this is back to you. You're sitting on some serious intel. You are in the know. You, you are awake. You woke up, and that's literally what it's like. It's like, all of a sudden, you're like, what? And you want to know. That's what defines the truther is that you're questioning officialdom no matter where it takes you so now what are you going to do your mind is so blown you're watching things on tv like i saw last night and you're like but you're next to your family you can't say anything you're like at defcon one and on the inside alarms are going off you feel obligated and but you're you know afraid of blowing it up blowing up the relationship so You know, you got to pick a path. So you get on your horse and you start yelling, the British are coming, right? You're just, and that's what normal people do. This place that we come to as a truther, when you start discovering all these things and then those around you don't, brings you to a crossroads where you're probably going to sin. You're probably going to offend. And, you know, this is when those around you finally are getting upset with you and they start pulling out the obsessed word you're obsessed okay which means to preoccupy or fill the mind continuously, continually intrusively and to a troubling extent that's what obsessed means you're preoccupied and your mind is continually troubled Now, I often say, if you're in a burning building, you need to be obsessed. If you're being mugged, you need to be obsessed. So in all fairness to us, you know, we see the unconvinced as really apathetic and, and willfully ignorant. And so if I had to pick one sin, I would probably pick obsessed, wouldn't you? <laughs> If you're obsessed, at least you're not deceived and you may unnecessarily offend everyone that's dear to you in your process of waking up. Nobody, Nobody's denying that this is a messy journey and there's very often a lot of dead bodies behind us and, and we take responsibility for our role in this, the conflict that erupts when a truther becomes a truther. But Before I forget and I go any farther, what my research has shown is that the truther never, I've never done it and nobody that I've ever heard does it, tells the normie or the unconvinced people in their life, if you don't talk to me about this, we're through. That, I have never heard that happen, where we give ultimatums to them. Now, we may talk too much. But what we don't do is end the relationship because they don't share our worldview, but the opposite is absolutely the case. We're told if you continue to talk about these things, I can't have a relationship with you. That is common. That's really what made me start doing this was when I found out how many people were just like me. I was shocked. You do the best you can. You're involved in a prison break. And there may be some fallout, but I'm here to tell you, just keep on escaping anyway, dear soul, because to a certain degree, leaving the matrix is a every man for himself situation. We have to work out our own salvation in fear and trembling. And, you know, you're not going to answer to your spouse or your kids on Judgment Day, especially if God gives you an assignment to be an agent of change, to be salt, to be an end times believer who is going to set the captives free because you care. Truthers care about people. That's why you're compelled to talk. But of course, there's buckets of wisdom, timing, prudence, sensitivity, you know, telling things that are age appropriate to kids, which means not telling them. We all have blundered. Many of us have blundered in this waking up process, trying to reconcile what we're discovering, which is very, very, it's like an upheaval. You know, I've talked to people. Uh, I won't name any names, but one person told me they, they were trembling for 30 days. Other people have said they, when well, they found out their Bibles changing, they were in bed for two weeks. Things like that. Very disruptive. Meanwhile, the people in your life have no grid for at all for what you're going through, and they won't even talk to you, hardly. What's going on? Tell me about what you discovered and making you feel like this. You know, there's no inquiry like that. I didn't get it. I found it's very common not to have people wanting to, like, I don't know. They just don't want to know. So, you know, I'm not condoning um, sacrificing any relationships for the cause of truth and you know as i said i didn't leave i was asked to leave and i agreed to keep my mouth shut for two years basically i was in the house Um, but i in my case you know the context of your situation is going to determine the decisions that you make on how you're going to play your cards i was the father and the husband and I'm dealing with the fact in my mind that the Bible is changing and the entire body of Christ is clueless. And the believers that did know about it were just as hurting as I was. And that, you know, God really put a burden on my heart for those of us that are acknowledging this. But, you know, I was told that I couldn't even pursue this myself outside the family by making some videos now and then. And I did, as some of you may remember, I did cancel my channel twice to try to save my marriage, but it was the destiny of, you know, the Bible's changing that really made me say, you know I, I can't, I can't walk away from this. And so as a result of that decision, I was asked to leave, and so now I'm here, and it's not anything you would sign up for, okay? Let's just put it that way. <laughs> My situation is not desirable at all compared to what it could be. I'm not even going really to go there, it's too painful. Because what happens, and I've seen this happen, the, If it, it, it could be any one of the people in the family. It doesn't matter. The whole family will circle the wagons essentially against that person. Now, your situations can be totally different. You may have a spouse that's sympathetic. They may be an unconvinced spouse, but they have grace. Or you may be fortunate, and it's really the exception, where your spouse is also a truther. Congratulations. For the the majority of of interactions, you're, you're going to be odd man out, and you're going to have to decide how you're going to play it because it really depends on your personality and how God's called you. Like, you know, my my personality is not to sit quietly. I'm occupy with my hair on fire. I'm a, I'm a sales, my career, I was a sales person and a sales trainer. You know, I'm in the ministry, so I'm ministering, I'm preaching, I'm the worship leader, you know, I'm creative. You gotta go with your, you know, flow. You gotta go with what God, how God's wired you. So then I always use this example, my next door neighbor when I was still in my house was a complete truther, and she didn't say boo to her husband uh, or her kids ever. Right? She didn't want to jeopardize her security. I can totally understand it. So there's no one simple answer how you're going to play your cards when you come into this. What I have seen is that the more you are awake, the more obsessed you are. I'm seeing that with different podcasters. They may only be cluing into a few aspects of the matrix and they're, they're much less urgent, I would say. Uh, But the more, the more rabbit holes you go down, the more you realize that you're on borrowed time, right? It's an inevitable correlation. You can't escape that response. And it's the correct response. So those that are just on the fringe of being a truther are more like whistling past the graveyard. But the more rabbit holes you go down, the more you're going to become an activist because you know your days are numbered. And if humanity as a whole doesn't wake up and get involved, there isn't a future to be had. That's really what I'm seeing. (laughs) William says, I should have taken the blue pill. (laughs) Right. Right. Remember, that whole storyline is so valid with The Matrix because Cypher finally meets with Agent Smith and he's like, ignorance is bliss. I'm tasting this steak right now and I know it's fake, but I don't care. That's kind of what the normie does. And I watch them and I'm like, why am I doing all this? I should be, I should be a normie. I'd be so much happier focusing on the landscaping, going bowling and just having fun integrity integrity the unconvinced has a trust still for the system which we've lost and uh, they don't know what you know but as the new truther there's something that you don't know truther because you're new to this and you have no idea what's about to happen to you i i talked to some people that just find out about the Mandela effect and they're just going to go to their pastor for the first time with a list of Bible changes. And they're thinking, what I thought. (laughs) Well, of course he's going to see it and then we're going to talk about it and we're going to strategize how we're going to... No. (laughs) No. So that's not what's going to happen. But the new new truther has not tasted the sting of the death-to-truther algorithm yet. You know, you're pretty pumped. You're just amazed that nobody's looking into this stuff as you've started to look into it and everybody around you is just normal, right? Normal means enjoy life. What are you so worked up about? Love the world with me. I love the world. I want you to love the world the way I love the world. I love being in the world. I love everything about the world. So even though Jesus says, don't love the world. I want to keep loving the world. Here it is, 1 John 2.15. Do not love the world, for the things in the world, if anyone loves the world, I'm sorry, or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's not the whole thing, but that's the point. You know, the world is the latest trend. The world is the red carpet. The world is having your brain shut off. So that you're not, it's like the five-year-old that's going, nah, 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 nah. Your fingers are in your ears and you're, you're refusing any kind of bad news that would be intrusive to your joy ride that you're on. It's really wicked. I mean, when it comes down to it, it's just, it's an abdication of your responsibility. If you, you know, freedom isn't free and, and the truth sounded the alarm, like, hey, Peril, hello. You know, we've been vindicated on that. And they're just like, la 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 la. I can't hear you. You're just a buzzkill. But when you're new, you don't know any of this yet. So you're sitting there with whoever, spouse, children, lifelong friends, and then you say something like, hey, you know, I found out the moon landing was fake. <laughs> Oh, so then what happens? R. Davis, you're brand new. Oh, Jason, good to see you, man. Jason, you know, you're know you brand new. Truth or you blurt out the moon landing's fake or, you know, a 9-11 was an inside job. What's going to happen next? <laughs> Brace for impact. What happens is you're about to enter the school of Christ, the school of hard knocks. You're about to get initiated into the club. And you're about to be pushed out of the inner circle of your friends and family out, out, out into the fringe of society. And you are going to live and experience. Matthew ten thirty four. Jesus says, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. That's an incredible statement. Jesus loves me, this I know. I don't believe in a God that would send people to hell. I I only love, I only believe God is love. Okay. Jesus comes along and on the scene and he's like, Hey, don't, don't think for a minute that I came to bring peace. I've come to bring a sword. And as you know, as a result. I'm going to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law, it's just everybody, you know. Everybody in your inner circle that isn't loving the truth you're going to have conflict with. And he goes so far as to say, and the members of your own household will be your enemies. Whew, boy. And so you find out, truther, that most people in your life don't know and don't want to know. And then as a result, they don't want you to know. So what happens is you find out about what I call normie kung fu. And this is what normie kung fu is. When you open your mouth for the first time, I can guarantee you one thing. If I was a betting man, I'd put money on this. When you open your mouth about the moon landing, 9-11, within anywhere within five to 10 seconds, you are going to hear the term conspiracy theory. Guaranteed. Two seconds, five, 10 seconds, it will come out of their mouth every time. Every person, every time. Is that right? Because all of humanity has been programmed to say that in response to anything that is not official approved by officialdom so when they do that of course they are invoking the following ideas the first one is i don't believe you're right the second one is and this is without any investigation they they issued decrees i know i'm right and i know you're wrong that's what the word conspiracy theory means and see they have the entire power structure behind them it's just lowly little you four jacks you're just there in the, in the family gathering you're the only one that believes any of this nonsense and the whole power structure is against you and they're all against you and you're just like Aah! and they start invoking all these terms crazy ridiculous they're slamming the door they're putting up their hand they're saying i'm ashamed to be in your presence there's a lot of shaming from that term i think you're You have a chemical imbalance. I don't want you to push your beliefs on me. It's not what you believe. It's your attitude about it. These are all designed to knock you off your game, destabilize you, get you to shrink back, get you to not fulfill your destiny. You're living in fear. You care more about these things than you do. You care more about these things than you care about me you're obsessed you're a threat to the children and that's crazy everybody knows that's not true and of course the old standby what difference does it make i still have to go to work well you weren't expecting all that so the new truther because we have so many new people coming in now I'm just giving folks coming in for landing now the first time. They may be new truthers. What happens after your first foray into trying to open your mouth about these things is you get hammered. And so you retreat for a while. And then what do you do? What are you going to do? You're a truther. You're going to go research some more. (laughs) Let me come back. (laughs) So you're going back to the tube. You're going to find out some more things to get you in trouble with. So you're going to find out about 9-11 and of course, NASA and the media are all lying to all of humanity all the time. The whole thing is a complete fraud. Then you find out some more esoteric stuff. Like you start learning about the 13 families and the P3 Masons and all the intelligence groups and how the whole hierarchy works and all of that and DARPA. You get into eugenics. You realize these people are complete psychos and they just They want what was on the Georgia Guidestones to happen, which has reduced the population to 500 million. Then you start learning all about the military industrial complex and they make more money in one day of war than a year of peace. So there's banker wars just constantly going. And, uh, you know, you, you become so jaded. You're like, man, I had no idea this facade was there and i just bit down on all of it and you you feel you know betrayed and then of course you find out all governments are corporations and you're a tax slave and you're ticked off any any red-blooded human being would be you know if you have an instinct for survival you're going to get a little worked up when you start finding out more and 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 more that's the rational response so now you're coming back out in the open. You're coming with some pretty weighty stuff, and you're thinking, humanity's in danger. We're all going to be lied to, and I got to warn people. So that's truthers' problem: is they have this urgency about them that they can't. It's like a bottled intensity, but when you, um, it just keeps getting piled on more and more. And you just start sinking lower and lower in your seat. You're like, we got to do something. That's the mentality of the truther. But the the people that are important to you in your life are not sharing that journey with you, you know, and you're thinking, these people should be peppering me with questions and they should be grateful and they should start getting alarmed like I am and start to make changes and course corrections. Right? Right. Isn't that what you thought, Jason? Cassandra, didn't you think they were going to just pick up on this like you did? You know, you're new and you sit down and you're like, it may be hard for us to realize how we sound. So, you know, you start learning stuff and you want to share it with somebody because you're just, it's so mind-blowing. You know, the earth is flat. I mean, think of the logistics of how they've been able to convince the majority of human beings that they live on a spinning ball when they don't. The logistics of that is staggering, and they've done it. So you're gonna blurt it out. We live on a flat earth, and it's stationary, and there's a dome over it, and it's like a snow globe, and then of course, NASA is the ringleader, and all the media is lying, and all of humanity, and most of the people on the TV are hybrid reptilians, and then, or their clones or trannies, and the shuttle's fake, and the ISS guys are on wires, and and then the boats don't go over the curve and you're just like and they're just looking at you like oh no what happened to my spouse (laughs) and you know what your spouse is thinking your spouse your friends landscaping that's what they're thinking about landscaping it's Saturday or Sally's got a sleepover tonight, and i got to go to my Bible study. So who's going to take Sally? And, you know, we haven't sat down and paid the bills yet this month. We have to do that. And, the, you know, I'm here wearing the big boy pants, running the household, and you're chasing these fairy tales. That's a real conflict. You're, you are truther. You immediately get saddled with a perception problem. Now, the the mistake is that you can't, they're not mutually exclusive. You can be a truther and go to work. What difference does it make? I still got to go to work. Well, I kept going to work as a truther, didn't miss a beat. You can still have fun. You can still have quality time with your family. That is an excuse not to look under the hood that the unconvinced will always play that card. They're terrified of what you're talking about. So, you know, they're going to say, I'm really starting to get worried about you, and you seem to really believe these conspiracy theories are true. They're conspiracy theories, remember? They're not true. They're just a theory. They're a made-up story, and you gravitate towards these because you're insecure, and it makes you feel significant. So now you're really starting to have to manage the emotional baggage that's being piled onto you pretty regularly because that's what they're thinking about you and that's what they're saying to you. So what are you going to do now, truther? How are you going to walk with Christ through the Mandela effect? and through the, the revelation of the flat earth and the whole power structure is a complete facade. You know, Biden's wearing a mask. I mean, the whole thing is just a show and you're just, where am I? This is, out, this is outrageous. And it's a stop the presses kind of a thing for you, but not for them. So you just, you kind of knuckle under, But you're gonna get a good talking to at this point. If you you persist after like six months, and I, I cover this whole process in my book, it's chapter six. The book is called The Conspiracy Theorist Survival Guide, it's on Amazon. And it talks about the three stages of rejection. And so what tends to happen as you continue to talk about these things is your friends and family and your children tend to ratchet up the severity of their punishment on you, and your decision to stop participating in a crime against yourself. God forbid that you should stop participating in a crime against yourself. That's what you're doing. You have removed the hook from your nose by publicly breaking covenant with the overlords that run this world system, calling out the fraud, and stating to everyone around you, I do not consent. That's what we have to do in the state national, the legal education movement. I do not consent to your presumption. But there's a metaphysical component to this realm. And, and when you begin to withdraw your consent, it's like a target gets painted on your forehead, a metaphysical target. It's really, it's really very clear that that is unavoidable. And uh, basically, the Matrix does not treat people well that decide to leave. Like when when Truman was in the Truman Show and he started trying to leave, they would throw up roadblocks. All of a sudden, there's big fires or big traffic jams or trucks would come across the road and break down. (laughs) Jim and Jackie shook, sank. Stop it. I can't take any more of my stomachs. There is a bewitchment that comes on you in this realm. How else do you explain the fact that most of us—I went through my whole adult life and never knew the boats didn't go over the curve? How do you explain that? All of a sudden, oh, the boats don't go over the curve. Well, where was the where was Eric Dubay or whoever for fifty-five years? Why was it fifty-five years before I ever? dawned on me that NASA was faking anything how do you explain that it's a bewitchment well when that spell gets broken on you and it doesn't get broken on those in your inner circle that's a problem that is going to really cause you opportunities to sin and we're trying to walk through being a truther with Jesus you know, even if you remain silent like I did, because I get that. I had a couple, two or three podcasters tried to call me on the carpet and, and I don't want to say lecture me, but they were lecturing me, you know, basically saying that, you know, my family breaking up was my fault. And I, I had that belief, but not after about three, four years of, of doing uh, content because I would get posts every day. And I still do. There's people on this live stream right now that have lost their spouse, lost the kids don't talk to them. It's universally the same for us. That set me free, baby. Could I have done way better than I did? Of course. I'm gonna talk about that. You've got all of these different, like, you know, you're you're like conflicted, is what it is. You have the sense of duty to help people. But you want to preserve the relationship. You don't want to say too much, but they want they want to go, you know, get the monkey juice, you know. You, you know, then what do you gonna do? If you don't risk the relationship by speaking up, they might go ahead and take the monkey juice. You know what I'm talking about. You know that health emergency thing where they do that. And then then how would you feel if you couldn't rescue them? There's a there's a proverb or scripture that says, Do you see those that are going to destruction? Oh, hold them back. Was it worth it to stay quiet and keep the relationship intact in that example? I don't think so. Could you talk too much and drive people out of your life? Absolutely. So my point is this is not as simple as some people might suggest by their sagely wisdom to just keep to yourself until people come to you, until, no, no, it's way more complicated than that. Like I said, it depends on your role in the relationship. Are you the husband or the wife? Are you young or are you old, right? Does your spouse have grace or are they a hardline normie? Are they a truther? I mean, it's just so many things you've got to try to factor into your decision. The health emergency thing showed a lot of people that there needs to be a sense of urgency in regards to that conspiracy, okay, that, that was rolled out with without you know honesty and it was a big problem i'll just say it like that and so people you know stepped into people and they 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 stepped up their game and they took risks they risked the relationship to be honest with them about what they knew and it didn't work in a lot of cases they didn't take the advice and they lost the relationship as well there was a lot of people that broke up over the over the monkey juice, for sure. Because, you know, well, we shouldn't ram things down people's throat. But here's the thing. I've often said, if you're going to walk with God, you're going to be in situations where you're going to either offend man or you're going to offend God. You have to pick one. And so your decision as to whether or not you're going to run silent, run deep, you're going to be a secret agent, secret truther, and, and keep to yourself. You're not going to rock the boat. You, you, you're not going to knock over the apple cart. It's going to depend on a lot of different variables. But you may have a sense of destiny like Paul did in Acts 26, 17. I'll deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Okay, that's the part that I want to point out because that's our motivation. What he says in verse 19. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Boom! (laughs) Ha ha! Destiny! In my research, I found that destiny struck the truther. Destiny has striked what's the word? Struck you? That doesn't sound right. You have been smitten. That doesn't sound right either. (laughs) I'm going to find the word here any second. You ran headlong into a sense of destiny. And you were forced to elevate that above your own happiness, your own per- human need, right? You had to honor the, the higher path, the nobler. Well, you know, destiny is you're not your plans. Destiny is God's plan for you, not your plan for you. And, and when you choose destiny, you typically have to give up things that you want. The easy road. I mean, not that we have a martyr complex, but God does call us when he calls us to himself right? That's our relationship. Then he gives us an assignment. There, that's your destiny. And in a lot of cases, what I found was truthers got a hold of their destiny. They, they got a sense of, that they were having an hour of visitation, right? Some men are born to greatness, others have it thrust upon them. That kind of a feeling comes to you. And that drives your decision process of how you're going to respond to the people around you. If you're going to play patty cake or you're going to speak up, or you're going to go out and become a content creator, whatever it is, or you're going to fly under the radar, which you know is doable, it's, it's uh, the right thing to do. Certainly with kids, you know, I, I probably made a lot of mistakes as far as sharing things that were not age appropriate. And that might vary from people to people, what you think is appropriate. But he said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. That's basically the sin of ungodly responses to persecution. That's what you've got to weigh out in your walk with the Lord and how you're, how you're responding to the persecution that comes your way when you become a truther. So the first one is the sin of saying too much. You know, you know people are drinking out of a fire hose and you're just not using wisdom, stuff like that. All right, so this was this is ungodly responses to persecution so in response to you know brazen disrespect rejection conflict and the one that really hurt me more than anything was being labeled by like my children who should be looking up to me and drawing from me and asking me instead they're pulling away and thinking i'm crazy to this day well you might react to that you might have anger you might withdraw love from them you might become adversarial with them or you know blurt out things inappropriately or you might do okay but then you know keep talking when you should have stopped before you know just having a reactionary response to snarky cynical comments thrown your way you know basically the bible calls it getting in the flesh Now you do get better with practice, I will say that. I had a journal that I was writing in back in that time. And then I kind of, it ended up in a book, in a box somewhere. And I ended up, when I left, I found it and I brought it with me and I didn't even know this was in there. Um, there's like two pages of things that my wife had written down that I had said that she was basically saying these are not true. None of this is true. and Actually, they're all true. Some of them are not super accurate, like, or they were misunderstood. Anyway, this was, this was what my wife wrote in my journal. It says, me and Jeremy, your idol is NASA. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to disparage my wife. I love her to this moment. Would go home tonight if she called me and apologized and repented. But, uh, you know, I'm not holding my breath. So just understand my heart. I am not mad at her. I, it's like being mad at somebody that has a brain tumor. That's how I hold anybody like my wife that has done the things that normies do. I mean, I have a whole chapter called Why Normies Attack in my book. (laughs) And so I remember though vividly to this day, uh, an event that happened when I was four or five, somewhere around there when I was just a small child. And my dad would always come to my room and say goodnight to me. And one night my door was closed, but I could see around the time he usually came that the light was on, coming under the door and someone I believe it was my dad came to the door because I could see the shadow of them standing there and moving back and forth and then he stood there for a while and I was I remember I was anticipating him coming in you know giving me a kiss goodnight and then boom well he walked away and I think that the Lord showed me that at that moment you know, in some of my journaling that the Lord showed me that there was a bitter root judgment that I allowed to enter in from that seemingly insignificant event. It caused me to embrace unforgiveness or even self-hatred where you make this little decree like, well, I don't need them. I don't need him. And your little heart becomes hardened for the first time with a bitter root judgment. And so it was around that time of this journal where my wife wrote this comment, and my son was with her. So, you know, essentially, my son chose her worldview. Now, my daughters were too young at that time to choose any worldview, but my son did. And I remember him telling me, uh, Dad, he said I was irrational. One time and another time, he said, you know, what I believe was impossible. And it was very degrading, very, very difficult to hear that. When you're right and he's wrong, he's your son. He should be loving and respecting you. And you're, you know, this chasm is growing between you. And so I would always go up and say goodnight to all the kids. And I would go into Jeremy's room and say goodnight to him as well. But. I remember the first time I stopped at his door because I felt the fear of being rejected by my own son, because he was starting to disrespect me because, you know, he thinks my dad's like a loon or whatever. And I chose not to go in. And as soon as I did, I believe the Lord reminded me of that thing when I was a kid. And I walked away. So I was doing the same thing that was done to me when I was five. And this was a great sin of mine that I committed. Because my kids were blameless, you know, they, it's not their fault. And so in your journey as a truther, the rejection and the disrespect that you've been exposed to may have triggered old wounds that you've had. And. You may have become reactionary with your loved ones, or you've withdrawn love. Like, oh, yeah, and you've pulled away. And it's so difficult because they've issued these decrees about what is and isn't without looking into it. And then they're disallowing any attempts to build bridges of understanding. You're diminished in their eyes with no recourse. All you're left to do is kind of slink around, begging for crumbs of respect. It's the only option. It's all you're offered, and if you have childhood trauma like I have, or you have, you know, you're just sensitive, or you know, you're really empathic. This is extremely hurtful and very difficult to manage, and you have maybe lashed out unnecessarily, withdrawn love, or those around you um, have, you know, felt like they're walking on eggshells around you, and God just wants to make us aware of that. This is not to put you under condemnation, okay? It's to, it's to make you self-inquiry is to draw closer to God so that you can have more of him. So, you know, if that resonates with you, just take that to the Lord and just say, Lord, please forgive me because, you know, I could have done better and I'm sorry, and and God will restore you. And then you can, if you can make restoration, restitution or whatever, that's great. If not, you can only do what you can do. All right, so this idea though, being reactionary um, is tied to the next sin of the conspiracy theorist, which is pride. So if you become a truther, you can take up this gauntlet and begin to speak out and become a content creator even it's difficult to avoid this pitfall of pride and i don't think any of us really navigate these troubled waters perfectly of being a truther so the first thing that i've experienced myself or i've seen is what i call exclusive truthers and this is where you know you either insinuate or you say it outright that you or you and your group, or you, the people you run with, are the only ones that really know what's going on. Now, this will manifest in a number of different ways. One of them is that you tend to strike out at other truthers that don't perfectly align with all of your beliefs. So you tend to take it upon yourself to diminish others that may have a different view on some things. They may agree with some things, but there's other things, and, and then this is a prideful thing where you just trash them. You cut the people off at, your, at their knees for you know, things that you shouldn't be breaking fellowship about. That's pride. Uh, you know, and so if you're an exclusive truther like this and it's motivated by pride, you're going to do a lot of comparing. You'll be comparing yourself and your knowledge, your vast understanding of the mysteries of the universe with those around you and you'll you know draw strength from putting people down that's that's not the spirit of Christ and you need to you need to check that so to put this in perspective i ask folks to consider what i call the wheel of knowledge the wheel of knowledge this graph here is all knowledge this is all of the knowledge that God has in the entire universe, all the molecules, everything that could be known is in this graph. And so then I'd ask folks to draw the pie chart of how much knowledge you have. Now, I couldn't get a line thin enough that it would be imperceptible, so this is the best I could do. But for most of us, we would probably admit that the amount of knowledge that we have is so small compared to what God knows that the line wouldn't even be perceivable. <laughs> and so the takeaway of that is you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you don't have a clue about what's going on. So you need to you need to just uh, tap the brakes a little bit on the bravado. That's my point. Okay, you should follow the, uh, the advice of Socrates. He said, the only true wisdom is in knowing you know nothing. <laughs> Socrates said, all I know is that I know nothing. Here's a few scriptures that speak to this journey of uh, getting in touch with our pride. Proverbs 14.2, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. So the takeaway here is you need to stay open, all right? So, so recently, Carol introduced me to the concept of um, the fact that the millennial reign has already happened. Now, I don't believe that's preterism. I may be mis- misunderstanding preterism. I thought preterism was when you spiritualize the book of Revelation. You don't believe it ever happened, okay? You don't really believe in the literal translation the bible so you spiritualize it and it's all metaphors okay this is different from that because in that case it never happened what i'm saying is there's a lot of people that are suggesting that the mud floods tataria all the ornate buildings that were built in time frames that would be impossible the star forts all of this all of this stuff would seem to provide some evidence that the millennial reign has already happened and now we're in that period of time after the millennial reign when the when satan is released for a short season to deceive the nations so the next thing on the prophetic time clock would be the battle of armageddon well interestingly enough the euphrates river is actually drying up right now which is what the Bible says is the thing that happens right before the 200 million man army comes across to have Armageddon. So my point is, when she first brought it to me, my, I, could, I was like, nah, it bumped up against my cognitive dissonance. So if you want to walk through being a truther with the Lord, you need to remember to stay open. Not gullible, but remember the graph. You don't know everything. All right, Mark eight thirty six, for what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world, and loses his own soul? And so this is a, a a charge to keep your priorities straight. And one of the pitfalls of being a truther is that you do become morose, you become melancholy, you become depressed and obsessed with all these terrible things. And that truthers only want bad news. And if you try to bring hope. You try to suggest that God's going to bring a deliverance. Then you're looked at us as naive. Oh, John doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, there's nothing good happening. It's all coming down. We're all going to be dead in a week. And it's just like, if you try to share the, the victory that God wants to bring, you don't, you know, you're just preaching peace, peace when there is no peace. And that is a unbelief because even in the stock market crash, What is it, 19, I never remember this year, 1920, whatever. It was the biggest crash ever. Well, there were huge rallies during the crash on the way down. So that's all I'm talking about. Is Give me a few Jerichos. Let's part a few Red Seas on the way out. What do you say? Join me on Monday for prayer, because the only thing that's going to happen, if anything's going to happen, it's going to be birthed on Monday nights at 8. So if you have a burden for the body of Christ regarding this whole crazy Mandela effect thing, in other words, the entire body of Christ is deceived about their Bible changing. And, and God's giving us a voice to go, if that's something that you resonate with, show up on Mondays at 8 and pray with us. All right, And 1 Corinthians 13, 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love. I'm Nothing so this is for believers now if you're in the truther community and you name the name of the lord you need to always remember to walk in love if you if you have conflict or you or you blow up at somebody you have to go and fix that you can't just blow up at people and burn bridges and think that it's okay with god and then go to prayer, praise the Lord, Lord, thank you. No, no. He said, when you come to bring your offering, if you have ought, no, if, if you know that your brother has ought against you, first lay your offering down and then go fix that and then come back. Jesus said this non-negotiable. If you do not forgive your brother from your heart, neither will God forgive you. All right, and then I've often found that looking up definitions of things is very helpful. So what what is pride, what is haughty, and what is arrogant? They're not the same. So pride is a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements, qualities or possessions, or those of someone with whom you're closely associated with. It's deep pleasure from your own achievements. You just love what you're doing. You're, you're your biggest fan. All right, haughty is a little different. Having or showing an attitude of superiority and disdain toward others. So pride is you're looking inappropriately at how awesome you are. Haughty is you're looking down on others. And then arrogant is displaying a sense of superiority, self-importance, or overbearing pride. Arrogant individuals tend to exaggerate their own abilities or achievements, often at the expense of recognizing others. Hey, thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week, Lord willing. And if you'd like to learn more about how to face the inevitable pushback that comes when you start to question the official story be sure to pick up a copy of the Conspiracy Theorist Survival Guide. It's a guidebook for persecuted truthers. It's on Amazon, or you can get it through my website, which is wakeuporelse.com. It's on audio or paperback. Be sure to sign up for the newsletter so we can be notifying you when we're doing an interactive live stream. There's a lot more content on the truther journey, as well as the supernatural Bible changes on my YouTube channel, which is wake up or else, all one word. And remember, if anybody calls you a kook or a conspiracy theorist nut, you hold up your finger and you tell him, hey, I may be mistaken, but I am not crazy.